0: Well, this morning we are continuing on with our Jesus Is series. You know, Pastor Greg brought us a great word on how Jesus is our friend a couple weeks ago. And last week, Caitlin talked about how Jesus is grace. Well, This week we're diving into Jesus is the point. And if you didn't notice uh, this morning, man, God is already at work. I just feel like through um, the worship this morning and even churchwide prayer, which let me tell you, it's at 9.30 Sunday mornings, and, man, this whole morning so far has already been just one thing after another of God at work. God has something woven together for this morning. So, if if you haven't made it to, get to church-wide prayer before, I encourage you, click the link, 9.30 Sunday mornings. Join us on Zoom. We had over 30 people joining us this morning and last week, and we just hope that you can make it next week because it is a powerful time together. But before we jump into the word this morning, let's pray. Lord, I thank you. Thank you that you have a desire to speak to us. You have a desire to walk with us, Jesus. We thank you that we've already learned that you are our friend, that you are grace. So God, we just pray that um, as we go through the word together this morning, as we go on this journey together for the next 30 minutes or so, we just ask that you'd be speaking to us each one individually, myself included. Pray that you would continue to reveal yourself to us in new ways. Pray that your presence would be felt in people's homes as they're tuning in, or if they're watching from a coffee shop or their car, hopefully while they're not driving. Just pray that you would be speaking to them. Just thank you for your love for each one of us in your name. Amen. Well, last week, Caitlin told you this little story about how our family wakes up in the morning. And I don't feel like she quite captured my side of the story quite right. Felt like it was pretty bad, like I'm just this awful person in the mornings. But honestly, the reality of it is it's it's likely far worse than she made it sound. I am just not a morning person. I could stay up late at night, no problem. But Good Lord, six o'clock in the morning is not for the godly. It is just like it's—it's it's not just like don't talk to Brad until he's had his first cup of co- cup of coffee. It's more like Brad has ceased to function, or like the brain activity is just like flatlining. Like doctors could call it at that point in the morning. Well, in his book, Jesus is Judas Smith talks about how much he likes his sleep. And to be honest, I can, I really relate to his feelings on the matter. Like, sleep is a great thing. And quoting directly from his book, he says this, at six in the morning, I am of no use to God or anyone else, except for maybe the devil, because I act more like him more than anyone else at that ungodly hour. <laughs> Well, I can relate to that. But the truth of the matter is, I can't sleep past 8 or I wake up with a headache. So I'm caught in this predicament where it's either I just get up or I wake up with a headache. So I drag my corpse of a body out of bed, brew a heavenly cup of coffee, and get on with the day. But if you're like me, let us know in the chat. Just post in there what you're like in the morning. Just be honest. It's okay. No, if you're like me and just mornings are not your thing... Maybe we can start a support group for each other or something, just try and walk through this and support each other. And uh, in the book, Judah Smith also references that, you know, early morning prayer should start at 10 o'clock because that is like godly hour to have prayer, not earlier. So for those of you that joined us for 9.30 prayer, man, God has great things in store for you because you, you persevered in the single digits. Well, yes, God has created us for re- created rest, and that rest is good. But if that's all we did every single day of our lives, we would miss the point. We don't exist to just sleep, much like we don't exist to play video games all day or you know, work every single hour of every day. There's a balance to be had there. Getting some rest is good. It's biblical, even. In Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30, Jesus says this, Come to me, all of you who are weary, and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Amen. Yes, I'm with you, Jesus. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and and the burden I give you is light. This is like good news right there. Jesus promised rest in him. He promised that his yoke would be easy. We do not we do need to understand some context around what Jesus was saying here though. He was speaking to people who'd grown up in the Jewish religious system okay this wasn't like modern day where, you know, I, I want a coffee in the morning, I might just press a button on a Keurig, which I don't do that. I like my pour-over coffees, just to be clear. But that's how easy our lives can be sometimes, is we have so much instant stuff nowadays. But back then, they had the Jewish religious system. And this system was defined by a law that was very rigid. So if you think, you know, having to live with COVID guidelines is tough, Take a good look at what the Israelites had to live under every day of their lives. The Jewish religious system was very, very, like, follow this, and this is the only thing that you should be doing. Jewish law, though, was basically, it was basically the law of Moses, which includes the Ten Commandments, but that was only the start of it. The law of Moses was much more detailed than that. It affected every area of life and the Israelites were supposed to follow all of it right down to the smallest detail. To make matters even more difficult, you know, over the next several hundred years, um, there was more laws added to the Jewish law, and it was an incredibly detailed set of restrictions and stipulations. The Pharisees were these guys back then that were self-appointed who made their debt, who made it their duty to interpret and apply this law to everyone's life? So there you have it. You've got this big, huge Jewish law, hundreds of laws that they're supposed to be following day in and day out of their lives. So it's it's a real trying thing to try and live up to. These laws were meant, though, to help Israel maintain a high moral standard. But wasn't enough. They still had to regularly offer sacrifices to make up for their shortcomings or sins. So, try as hard as they might, do as good as they could, the Israelites still failed to live up to the standards of the law. Now, I'm personally a very competitive person by nature. When someone tells me I can't do something or it's it's impossible, I instantly try and figure out how to make it work. How can i make that thing happen how can i overcome the challenge you know for example several years ago we decided to renovate our bathroom at our old house and you know it was supposed to be like a simple couple day job you know pull out the toilet put some new flooring down i think we added changing in the the tub out at the last minute but it was supposed to be a relatively simple job but anyone who's ever renovated a bathroom knows that that is simply not the case in most bathroom renos. So after pulling off several layers of subfloor, because, you know, when you want to renovate a bathroom, you just put flooring over top of flooring like three or four times, and that's theoretically a good way to go. But I decided to pull it all off. So I finished pulling off all of the subfloor, and lo and behold, the original plywood on the floor was rotten. So I had to cut that all out, too. And for any guys, then this is like fair warning for you. Any guys who are doing a reno in their house, okay, especially your bathroom, and this was our only bathroom, mind you, so even worse, do not send your picture, a picture to your wife of a big, huge, gaping hole from the upstairs of your house to the basement of your house mid-project. No, you save that picture to the end. So you look like a hero and you don't just cause a whole ton of stress on your wife. I couldn't find that the right picture uh, that I wanted to have of the actual hole. So that picture that you just saw was the one of it replywooded. But just imagine my wife's expression when she sees a hole from upstairs to downstairs. But I was determined to overcome. Determined to get that toilet working and... You know, it took one trip to the wrong corner store to use the washroom to really encourage me to get that thing moving. But, <laughs> woo! don't, yeah, just have a backup plan. Let me tell you, have a backup plan. But we overcame, got that toilet up and working within a couple days, and, you know, we persevered. We got through it. But even in little things, I can be really determined to win. Like, take playing foosball against my kids, for example. I love foosball. really enjoy playing it. I played it with my dad all the time when I was a kid, too. But you'd think, you know, me being a dad, I'd be nice, let my kids win once in a while. No. No. You have entered the battlegrounds of foosball, which is an all-out war with tiny little plastic men attached to poles, smacking a ball back and forth on the table with a hope to overcoming the enemy for the almighty goal. That's how foosball is in my brain. There is no mercy, and I will crush my kids until the day they can crush me. And that is the reality of it. Corbin, however, is getting quite good at foosball, so I really have to stay on my A game to keep ahead of him. So for me personally, with that kind of a drive to win, to overcome, um, to when I have a challenge to, like, I have to nail that thing, that's, like, just my go-to instinct For me, if I had to live under Jewish law every day of my life, to the T, knowing that I was going to fail every single time, at some point or another, it wouldn't leave much room for hope. That would be exhausting, burdensome even. Then Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. This is what Jesus was talking about, was relief from this big burdensome thing that they've been trying to carry trying to do in their own strength that they couldn't deal with oh that would be nice to just sleep sleep in to not wake up at an ungodly hour to wake up without an alarm or an elbow to the ribs as caitlin was saying last week if you missed her message you can check it out on our website under the Sermons tab. It was a good message. Pastor Greg's is awesome too. It's on there as well. Um, But yeah, if you don't understand what I'm talking about with the elbow to the ribs, listen to hers and you will. (laughs) Uh, Just hope you don't have to experience that. Anyways, Jesus was saying that he was the ultimate source of rest. For the Israelites, this really clicked. They were desperate for something different, desperate for a relief, desperate to get out of the routine and the ruts that they were stuck in for centuries. But this was not the first time that Jesus talked about how burdensome the law was. The last time he talked about it, it was far less encouraging, let me tell you. Jesus' most famous sermon was called, Sermon on the Mount— which he preached from a mountainside so the crowds could hear him better. That's just like for some of that like sound stuff that's just like, "Yes, go Jesus, Preach from the mountainside. It makes sense. Now, at first, that sounds really nice, you know, sitting outside the base of a mountain to hear Jesus. You know, like, here, I got my lawn chair, ready to hear the sermon. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait, what? Jesus is speaking? Oh, Jesus is my favorite preacher, actually, so I'm going to get a little upgrade here, get the deluxe package. Yes, got my comfy chair, feet relaxed, got my drink, got my snacks, ready to listen to the message and really enjoy everything that Jesus has to say to me because let me tell you, this is going to be a good sermon. Now, this is a little bit of confession time. If you have a go-to snack that you eat during church, especially during church online because you're at your homes and the kitchen is there and it's an obvious temptation, just post it in the chat, whatever it is. If you've got a go-to snack, just go for it. You know, when we're in church here, I mean, the animal crackers in kids' church were always the temptation. Um, Security has made that very difficult over recent years. But that was the thing. When I was a kid you would find those animal crackers and you would eat them during church because by the time church was done, you were starving and ready to die. Right, back to Jesus' story on the mount. So, back to the story. The crowds were looking for that feel-good sermon from Jesus. But they were soon to realize that this was more like Jesus' rant on the mount, okay? This was not a feel-good sermon. This was a direct challenge to the way that they were currently conducting their lives. Picking it up in Matthew 5, 17, Jesus says this, Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I have come to accomplish their purpose. Those are some pretty deep words. I tell you the truth until heaven and earth and earth I don't know what hearth is earth disappear not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved so if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven but anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven but I warn you unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law or the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, for everyone listening to this, the news was crushing. Remember, the Pharisees were the ones interpreting and enforcing Jewish law. They were the ones that were like the guys that would come and walk down the street and be like, hey, you you're not living up to Jewish law quite right, this is how you're supposed to do it, get your act together, type people. But they had to be better than them, they had to do better than the Pharisees, the guys that knew each law inside and out, upside down and backwards, good luck with that. But Jesus was just warming up, okay? This was like, you know, if you ever have like a turkey dinner, You have to actually start eating a couple hours before to start stretching your stomach to prepare for the dinner. Okay? So this is kind of like that. This was, Jesus was setting the precursor for the real meat of the message, and so here we go. Jesus starts going through some of the big sins, starting off with, you have heard it said. So it's just like, you've heard it said, you know, it's the things that I would normally hear, normal, easy stuff. But then he cranks it up a bit with all of these "but I say" sayings. So he goes on and says, "You have heard it said, do not commit murder." You know, now everyone's sitting there thinking, you know, they're in their big comfy chairs still because you know they're already in it. They might as well just stay. Oh, do not commit murder. No, I'm good on that one. Oh, thought about maybe sometimes, but never actually did it never acted on it, so I'm good. No worries. But then he hits them with the, but I say. But I say, if you are even mad at someone, this is Jesus speaking, if you are even mad at someone, you deserve judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you should go to jail. And if you even curse someone, you might end up in hell. Whoa! Whoa, 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 Jesus. Now, seriously. Whoa. Now, the silence on that mountainside after he finished saying that first set of statements must have been really eerie. Like, the hills were not alive with the sound of music that day. You know, they were dead. (laughs) There is nothing, no sound. You could hear a pin drop or something like that. You know, clearly Jesus had never met the guy that cut me off. You know, it was ridiculous. And I feel bad that I thought he was an idiot because, you know, that would mean that I should go to jail. So maybe I shouldn't even think that now. But, you know, how could Jesus be so strict on this? Clearly, he doesn't understand the range of emotions that we go through during the day. But Jesus continues. Next one up on the list, he goes, You have heard it said, do not commit adultery. And now all of the guys sitting there, they're instantly consoling their wives Saying, whoa, hey, you know you're my everything. I would never do anything to hurt you. I love you to the moon and back. There is no other woman that even compares to you in my life. But then once again, Jesus says, but I say, and all of the guys get nervous. If I can't be mad at the guy that cut me off and called him an idiot, what's he going to say about this one? But I say... Says Jesus, even if you look at a woman lustfully, it's as if you already slept with her. Cue all of the guys spitting out their coffee, choking on their flatbread, and getting death stares from their wives. Okay? They are thinking, I'm a guy though, we're all doomed. You know, and Jesus continued relentlessly, without mercy, just like I would playing foosball against my kids, only with way higher stakes on a way grander scale. He touches on divorce, revenge, enemies, and points out that for everyone, every single person that thinks they were doing okay, they really weren't. They thought they were winning, but the game had come out from under them. The table had turned, and there is no way around it. Jesus is making it clear that there is no cheating your way to victory. There are no shortcuts in this race, and doing okay just wasn't going to cut it. Now, at the end, just in case someone somehow got through all of that sermon, thinking they were still doing good and they were good to go, you know, I'm making it in my own strength, Jesus finishes with this, and this is like the one-two punch. But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And if Jesus, you know, had a microphone, that would be the cue to drop it because there's no follow-up to that. Everyone is sitting there thinking, I could barely keep up with most of the rules before, and now this? This is impossible. Not even the religious leaders or Pharisees could do that. Jesus wasn't being mean, okay? This wasn't Jesus just wanting to stir things up and be mean to people. No, he was simply pointing out their inconsistencies. They had redefined holiness so it so that they could fulfill the laws for themselves. You know, it would be like me playing foosball against my kids. I like foosball, so it's just a really easy go-to scenario for me. You know, it would be like me playing foosball against my kids and then taking, you know, my goalposts and moving them in front of my goalie and my defense so they just have a clean shot every time. You know, that's not how the game works. Jesus was saying, if you want to be saved by the law... You have to follow all of it, not just the parts you like. You know, and that is exactly the point. That without Jesus, it's impossible. Without the redemptive grace that Jesus so freely gives, it's impossible. Without Jesus walking alongside us as a friend, it is impossible. But Jesus said, come to me and I will give you rest. You know, today it's all about Jesus is the point. In John 5 39, Jesus says this to the Pharisees You search the scriptures because you think they will give you eternal life, but all of the scriptures point to me. Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. That is why he came to accomplish the purpose of the law. You know, being a Christian isn't just about being good. It's about relationship. It's about grace. It's about Jesus. Jesus is the point of life. This is less like a big light bulb moment for me, even. You know, Jesus is the point of life, he's the point of my everything. I grew up in church, actually, this church. Um, I've gone here my whole life, and I absolutely love being here at home. You know, I was raised to obey what the Bible Bible says. But if that's all it came down to, you know, was following a bunch of rules that were just forced upon me by my parents or something like that, which isn't how it went down. But if that's all it came down to was just me following a whole bunch of rules and trying to live a good life, I likely would have ejected from church a long time ago. You know, but I've grown in my personal relationship with Jesus over the years. I have memories of being in youth and experiencing Jesus, even at a young age of like 12 or 13, experiencing his presence in my life. I've experienced his grace in my own life and know that he has kept me safe in multiple instances. I've not been perfect, not even close, but Jesus looks past all of my sins, my shortcomings. You know, things like cheating during charades at youth to win. I did that. I admit it. So for all of you that lost many, many times, there was a lot of cheating in youth back when I was a youth. Now that I'm a youth leader, I know how all the cheating goes down. So if you're a youth watching, it doesn't work. Not anymore. Anyway, getting angry when things don't go my way is some stuff that I've had to deal with. Learning to have patience with my kids that is a lifelong journey, friends. Jesus had, has had grace for me. And so long as I keep him the point of my life, you know, kind of like what Courtney was saying during worship, that re-center button, keep him in the center, I will continue to experience his grace. And the same is true for each one of us and you listening now. Sometimes I wonder why we get so caught up in the craziness of life. We let our focus shift to things that don't really matter. You know, if the whole Old Testament in the Bible points forward towards Jesus, and the whole New Testament is pointing straight at Jesus, shouldn't we? You know, we can get caught up in the craziness of conspiracy theories, feuds, wars, fights, but the reality is our world needs Jesus. Instead of spreading fear, let's spread Jesus you know, even the church, and Pastor Greg said it so wonderfully uh, several weeks ago, you know, even the church operating within restrictions right now, it's not operating out of fear. It's operating out of pure trust that Jesus is ultimately in control of all things. We're not going to bow down to the fear of um, conspiracy theories or any of that stuff. We're putting our full trust in Jesus and looking for new ways to reach people with the good news of Jesus. Let's continue to spread Jesus. You know, you can see a sign saying the end is near or you hear people talk about we're in the end times. But reality, there's not a whole lot that's changed. Um, You can still go outside, grab a Starbucks and talk to your neighbor. Um, So our purpose is still just to point people to Jesus. Our lives are about Jesus because Jesus is the point of life. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 Says this, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for what He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds everything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. Let's spend less time focusing on the news or social media and spend more time in the Word, and you will find rest. You will find peace. You'll find Jesus. Jesus dealt with our sins on the cross once and for all. You know, he, he died for us, but he was also risen again, which means that he overcame death. He overcame the consequences of sin for each one of us, effectively fulfilling the law. He made us righteous just as he is righteous, even though we don't deserve it. We didn't earn it. And there's nothing we could have done to even come close to that. You know, even when we mess up, we are still righteous because he has covered our sins of past, present, and future. Romans ten nine says this, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, as I come to a close, I want to extend an invitation. This invitation is to follow Jesus to put him at the center of your life, to recognize that he is the point of my life, to accept his free gift. Now, if you're doing with me this with me for the first time, I encourage you, click the button on your screen that says, I commit my life to Jesus and fill out the simple form because we want to walk with you in your journey and help you along the way. So repeat this prayer with me from wherever you're at which is just us talking to Jesus. That's what prayer is. It's just us having a conversation with Jesus. So repeat this after me. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you laid it all out for me. I thank you that you fulfilled the law. Thank you that you've made it possible for me to be righteous, for me to to have eternal life in you. So Lord, I I confess you as Savior. I confess that you are Lord. I thank you that you had the power to come back from the dead and to overcome the effects of sin, not only for the people that were alive at that time, but for me as well. So God, I, I commit my life to following you. I surrender to you. Put you at the center of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you did that for the first time today, and there is a celebration happening, not only in heaven, but in homes all around the province, celebrating this good news of Jesus that has found its way to you this morning. So I just want to leave you guys with this one last final thought Jesus is the point. You know, if you get lost, if you get off track somewhere along the way, just like Courtney so wonderfully said during worship, hit that recenter button. Put Jesus back in the center. Focus your attention on Jesus. And he's going he's to light the way for us. Thanks, church. Have a blessed week.